we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Good evening, folks. You're listening to the Hour of the Time. I'm William Cooper. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Time, weather, and... Veteran of three foreign wars, entrepreneur and warrior poet, Tony Arterburn takes on the issues facing our country, civilization, and planet. This is the Arterburn Radio Transmission. Who is in charge of the clattering train? The axles creep and the coupling strain, and the pace is hot and the points are near. Sleep has deadened the driver's ear, and the signals flash through the night in vain. For death is in charge of the clattering train. Folks, welcome. To the Arterburn Radio Transmission. It is the 19th of January, 2024. I'm with Beans the Brave in our Denison, Texas studio, along with Yekka is here, the Eat Meat Queen. You can find her over on Instagram. She might chime in to the transmission. I've asked her, uh, can you cover the news? Because I just want to take a break. Uh, she said no. We are broadcasting in defiance of globalist goblins, the neocons, the New World Order, the Build Back Better, Biden, Beelzebub, Baphomet, Bilderberg, Bohemian Grove, uh, Billionaire Bankster Bunch, and their bunkers here at the Harvard Radio Transmission. Welcome. I, I tried to add the new. We're going to cover a story about Yek and I were talking about billionaires and their bunkers. And it's it's a philosophical question. If you had enough money, would you build a bunker? How bad do you want to make it to the next level of dystopia that they're creating? And we'll go into that. I've got I've got some thoughts because I've studied bunkers and I've studied fortresses and there's a lesson to be learned in there. And if you study some of the great military tacticians, there's there's an underlying theme in those who would build the bunkers. And uh, I think a lot of it comes from those who would create a world where you need a bunker. But we'll get into that here at the end of the transmission. Uh, politics happening around us. I'm having a hard time channeling my interest. I I know I know I'm supposed to be interested. This has been a very weird transition for me. I, as a little kid, so fascinated by politics and ideas and strategy. I was paying attention. I, I've told this story many times, but I was paying attention to the 1988 presidential race. I was eight years old, and I, I actually watched live uh, the vice presidential debate when Senator of Texas Lloyd Benson called Dan Quayle out, when Dan Quayle talked about JFK, and uh, Lloyd Benson said, uh, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you know Jack Kennedy. I watched that live. I was interested. I, I thought there was, there's so much to learn, and it's a, you know, you, you find, uh, 
strategists like Lee Atwater, fascinating. You know, these guys that were around, they were able to change the way that votes are cast, I mean, and, and sway opinion. But they really don't do that anymore. I mean, can you, who is triangulating for your vote, really? I mean, they walk the line. There's, we're on the periphery of stuff to talk about that is important that we're facing the existential issues, but I don't really see that. And I thought we would, we would, instead of me complaining about that, that we're in some kind of weird dystopic twilight zone where I'm not seeing, I, I literally feel like, and I'm not even in, I don't have a, a dog in the fight. I don't have a, a candidate I'm behind. I'm not, you know, really excited about casting a vote for anyone, but I have questions because I'm looking at a different reality than everyone else. I, I don't understand because I'm not excited, but I, but let's just suspend that and I'll give you analysis, Tony. Okay. We'll go, we'll le at least get my analysis. As I was telling Yeka yesterday, the only presidential election that I got wrong, that I, you know, I was predicting who would win since I was eight years old was 2020. And I predicted a Trump win, but I also said it would most likely be uh, settled in the House of Representatives, uh, that he didn't have enough to get to 270 without some sort of, you know, there had to be some sort of shift in the Electoral College because I knew that there was mail-in ballots, they didn't run a campaign, he didn't have the rallies, all that stuff, right? What I got 2020 wrong. Uh, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. We, the, the, the lockdown elections and all that that went with it. And now we're doing it again. So I'm I'm one to just take a second. If you want to go over politics, because this is parapolitics and precious metals. If you want to go over politics a little bit, let me sh share my screen. We'll we'll go down a list of some of the headlines on Drudge and, and talk about where we might stand. And I, this Drudge actually brought up a point that I've been thinking about, you know, with Trump winning uh, the Iowa caucus is like soundly and, and don't take your eye off Nikki Haley. Okay. If Nick, Nikki Haley, if they can find a way to coronate this, this, uh, globalist, uh, this neocon, if they can find a way to, to crown her, then they will, because, and if you see Nikki Haley getting a nomination, becoming president, just start buying uh, storable food and iodine. Okay. <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my philosophy on bunkers. If uh, she wins the presidency, because I promise you, uh, we're probably going to war on some level, regardless of who is selected. But uh, with Nikki Haley, you're going to want to start getting your radioactive suits out uh, and uh, anything to protect you from fallout. There's a reason David Knight calls her Nuki Haley. All right, let's uh, let's put Drudge up on the screen. And so I, I, I'm suspending my skepticism and my cynicism. And we can talk a little bit about politics, maybe do a little bit of analysis. But uh, Drudge report uh house sales uh, slowest in 20 years well um i can't believe it <laughs> you've inflated the housing market with cheap fiat currency debt every time that you create a home loan you create currency folks and the banksters know that uh, uh, jackson t barrett in the chat says nikki is not eligible to serve uh are, are most of these people not eligible to serve? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, kind of goes back to the uh, Ted Cruz days of uh, 2016. Uh, and even uh, John McCain, uh, there was a question of that. Uh, Barack Obama, all that. And we have so many questions. Uh, let's go into some of the headlines. 
on Drudge. And of course, politics as the MAGA turns, uh, Speaker Johnson backed into a corner as conservatives put Speaker on notice. And you see the Republican Party will do everything but what the voters want. And, uh, and they kind of rub it in your face. I think this is going to be part of the upcoming election, just kind of a dud with the Speaker. And uh, I could have told you that. Let's see. Let's go back to where I... This is where I, I jumped into a little bit of the political thought stream this morning. Uh, James Carville, you know, the Raging Cajun, and he's the one in 1992 that said, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Well, he's he was right about that. It was the economy, stupid, uh, in 1992. And and there's a host of other reasons, but he, he with a broad brush, he got that right. Well, Carville today says third party to get a lot of effing votes, third party, to get a lot of effing votes. He's talking about the third party candidacy, and I think multiple third party candidacies uh, coming up in 2024. That is the dark horse. That is what you're going to want to watch for, okay? Just like 1992, when you had Ross Perot, I think he got 16% of the vote. He had he got the most uh, percentage of the vote since Teddy Roosevelt in 1912. See, I told you guys I know politics. I just stopped being interested in politics because of our current system. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anybody to vote for. Um, I mean, if I had a time machine, you know, like, I guess that I feel like I'm in a parallel universe and I don't want to lose any more listeners, but I feel like I, I'm in Plato's cave half the time. Like I'm seeing something you guys aren't seeing, or I don't understand where I'm at when it comes to our national politics. It's a dumpster fire of epic proportions, but Carvel's right. Uh, there's going to be a lot of effing votes for third parties. And a lot of this will be strategy. Uh, you know, we go back to 1992, Ross Perot was, in the polls, I mean, had a massive following, and then he dropped out, and then he came back, and even with dropping out and coming back, he was threatened uh, by uh, George H.W. Bush's uh, administration, former CIA, all of that. You know, there was a, I, I'm sure the hammer had come down on him, you're, you're hurting the sitting president and Mr. Skull and Bones, and uh, he dropped out, came back in, and it was just enough to take out uh, George Bush 41, as if you recall, and that's where you get uh, Slick Willie. You get uh, Bill Clinton installed as president uh, in 1992 and in 93. That had a lot to do with our third party politics. Well, same thing's gonna happen here. It won't be like a Ross Perot, but there's gonna be, you've got under this headline, You've got uh, RFK Jr.'s first lady speaks out, defends conspiracy thinking. So they're already running out the PR campaign for Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who has a lot of great things to say. Uh, I'm not uh, voting for him. I don't, uh, I don't plan to. Uh, I think he's questionable on life. He's questionable on the Second Amendment. Um, but he's been great on things like finance. He's been great on things. Uh, like the jab. He's been great on things like pushing back against uh, giant pharmaceutical drug cartels that run our government. I think that's great. Uh, and it, I think it's a, it's a good thing to have him in the debates. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't see him having a path to victory either. 
So it's going to be interesting. What is his candidacy for? Especially when you know about the ballot access, you also have to throw in the Libertarian Party. Who are the Libertarians going to run? Um, will they get a celebrity that actually has some name recognition and then get away from people like Gary Johnson? It, it's it's going to be interesting. They're going to run somebody, and uh, we still got a lot of time left. Uh, the, the Libertarian Party doesn't have this long, drawn-out um, coronation pageantry uh, that the two, uh, the duopoly have, the Democrats and Republicans. They don't, and the, the Democrats are certainly going to renominate Joe Biden in its current form. That's the way it looks. I know it's shocking to everyone, um, but the Democrats don't need candidates. That's the thing is the Democrats don't need candidates. Um, they just need somebody who's, I mean, I guess you could even question is Joe Biden, is he, <laughs> is he fully functional? Is he, I guess he's alive. You can put, <laughs> you can put him out front. Um, but they just need somebody with a D. Because the D is going to be the, uh, the the deciding factor, right? You just press the button. That's like in Pennsylvania, uh, John Fetterman, who Senator John Fetterman, who Mr. Hoodie and Shorts in the Senate, he's uh, basically a walking humiliation ritual for the American people. <laughs> so we all feel powerless and stupid. And he beat uh, Dr. Oz, you know, the TV doctor. Now, uh, there's a reason, folks, uh, because it didn't matter what Dr. Oz did. They just had enough. Democratic voters. And once you go to a certain amount, if you look at California, you could run, again, this is the argument for demographic shifts. That's why um, globalists love open borders. They love demographic changes, replacement uh, uh, programs, you know, the great replacement, all that stuff. They love that because then they could just have lockstep, push the button, or maybe not <laughs> push the button, mail it in uh, for a party. It's not the Democrats don't vote for people, they vote for party. And uh, the Republicans, because they've uh, presided over these massive demographic shifts willingly, people like Lindsey Graham, people like John McCain, people like Mitt Romney, uh, they've boxed themselves out of having uh, any sort of chance to have a, a mandate. Now you think Trump won in 2016, most people don't know this, Trump won in 2016 by 80,000 votes spread over four states. That's it. 80,000 votes spread over four states was the deciding factor in his 2016 victory. Now, we're even a different country now from 2016. You have uh, a million new legal immigrants a year. 80% of all new legal immigrants vote Democrat. That's why the Republicans want more immigration, because they love Democrat voters. Do the math. That's, ask them why. They, Lindsey Graham wants to triple uh, immigration. You know, there's, uh, I even remember the talk show host Glenn Beck said that we needed to double the population of the United States. I think he wanted it to be 666 million. Go look that up. <laughs> but do you see what I'm talking about, folks? Cons So-called conservatives, they don't understand demographics. And they don't understand what happens when you change them. Like, it doesn't matter about your ideas. So circling back to the third party, uh, you're going to get a lot of people in the independent middle that want to just transition out of it. They don't want any part of the duopoly. They're not, they don't care about Trump. They don't care about Biden. They still want to, you know, cast a vote. And there's going to be a lot of protest votes. So Carville is right. There's going to be a lot of effing votes for a third party. 
And the headline just above that, if you look at it on Drudge, Trump or Biden, for many disillusioned voters, it's none of the above. See? That's where we're headed. And if if you want to talk politics, if you want me to suspend disbelief and we can argue about how many angels can fit on the head of a pen, then I guess we'll talk about uh, a Trump victory is as it stands now. If he sweeps the primaries, is given the nomination, and the third parties siphon off enough of the votes that would normally go swing to Democrats, there's a chance there. But other than that, straight up, I don't. How do you how do you re- replicate 2016 when you have a again we're six years on and you have a completely new eight years on you're going to have a completely new set of demographics there that don't lean further right they lean further lockstep globalist blue because once you go blue in the modern era there's no going back it's not about ideas. That's the thing. That's the sad part about all of it. Uh, I wish I was wrong, but you look at California and it doesn't matter what you run on. You just have to be part of the party. That's it. Game, set, match. So it's going to be interesting, I guess, to um, see how it all plays out. In the meantime, though, uh, the country is imploding. The dollar is losing purchasing power left and right. The markets are kept up by cheap fiat debt. We're on the brink of massive geopolitical shifts. We're inside of a fourth turning. I, I know the candidates aren't talking about this. What we're actually, the historical implications of the massive amount of stupidity, corruption, short-sightedness, the lack of wisdom has led us where we are today, which is on the precipice of a massive collapse. I don't want that. It's not what I seek. I hope I'm wrong, but if you look across the board, it's not looking good. Massive changes on the horizon. This is why I'm, I, every week, I'm, I mean, I'm doing even more of uh, the little video shorts on my channel and doing, you know, podcasts and interviewing more people about our currency situation, about our markets, about our economy, uh, how it looks, you know, geopolitically. Uh, it's not looking good. And I'm going to go over some stories today. You know, if you really want to follow the the broader picture and the logic of why you're seeing so many uh, shifts so quickly. And it was funny. Uh, I was telling Yeka as before we started the show, I said, now watch this. I said, see, there's a headline here on uh, Twitter that uh, through the, one of the accounts that I follow through Gold Telegraph, they put out a news item. And I said, now look how it correlates to this news item over here on Drudge that you would think that they're two separate things, but they actually go together. And I'm going to read that to you here in a minute. But let's talk about a sign of the times. Remember, uh, don't watch what banksters say. Watch what they do. Okay? Because the the banksters are going to tell you everything's fine. Oh. Most of them, unless you're Jamie Demon. For some reason, he is uh, the chicken little here. And I don't know if that's to cover himself, but he says there's going to be an economic superstorm uh, downturn. You know, there's going to be some kind of uh, black swan. So interesting to watch that. Most of the establishment will cheerlead all the way to the end. 
uh, kind of like Baghdad Bob did when uh, we were invading Iraq and he, you know, <laughs> there was clearly like American tanks going down the road and he was saying that they, there was no American tanks there. That was, uh, I was there, by the way, I was just on the tail end of that. And I remember that very clearly. This, let's, uh, let me stop this screen, put on the next one. Let's talk about watching what central bankers do, the banksters Watch what they do, not what they say. This is zero hedge. Central banks will keep gobbling gold in 2024. It's an interesting choice of words because they're goblins gobbling gold. I, that some, I think that would be a good title to something. I, I need to remember that. They're gobbling gold in 2024, according to shiftgold.com. The first half of 2023 was a record-breaking moment for central bank bu gold buying led by none other than China and Russia. Organizations like the World Gold Council reported a staggering increase compared to 2022. On a year-to-year -year basis, central banks bought an astonishing net 800 tons, 14% higher than the same period last year. Whether or not the January effect, this is uh, going back to something that Mike Meharry put out uh, uh, a week or so ago about the January effect. Historically, uh, gold has a great January. Uh, it will uh, Whether that will apply to the gold price as we finish the first month of 2024, there are plenty of indicators that central bank buyings, the spree, will continue for at least the first half of the new year. Accelerating de-dollarization is just one factor as powerhouses like China and Russia continue strategically moving further and further from the grips of U.S. dollar hegemony. Yeah, this probably in the top three of the stories that aren't covered enough, the biggest stories of our time, because the implications of what's happening with losing the world's reserve currency status, that's why I talk about it. There's really... You know, politics aside, sociological uh, trends and ideologies aside, nobody knows what happens really and truly when we lose the world's reserve currency status. You just think of your dollar as inside the continental United States. But as I've said many times, 80% of all the $100 bills that are ever printed are not in this country. 65% of all the paper currency that was ever printed is not in this country. There's a thing called money velocity that keeps a currency strong, that keeps it when it's, it's, it's the usage, it's the demand. And when that decreases, you have decreases in purchasing power, uh, you start having a, a inversion of the strength of that currency. And that can lead to things like hyperinflation. Uh, there's a there's another aspect to this, and we're going to continue the article, but there's something you need to look up called Triffin's Dilemma. And uh, Robert Triffin was an economist in the 1960s, and they had he uh, testified before Congress about this very phenomenon. What happens when, because this is the, the time when we had taken the silver out of our coinage, there was a lot of talk. Other countries were cashing in their dollars at the gold window. It's one of the reasons... Nixon took us off the gold standard because the other countries knew that we debased our dollar. So Robert Triffin, this economist, is Triffin's dilemma is basically once you become the world's reserve currency 
and you stock all these central banks with the dollars and they use the dollars and you have a certain basis for the value of that currency based on usage and money velocity globally, what happens when those dollars are repatriated? That's Triffin's dilemma. And the answer is not good, right? It's not a it's not a happy time to have what are the numbers? Would it be quadrillions that have to be repatriated if the world uh, reserve currency status is indeed lost by the dollar? That is something that's an open question. But we're not gaining new traction. Uh, country, we have weaponized the dollar through our sanctions, our arrogance. The military industrial complex, you know, is a tool of multinational corporations, unfortunately. And they've been weaponizing the dollar to wage economic warfare in these countries like China and Russia, the, Br the BRICS, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And we're going to talk about something about the BRICS a little later. They're moving away. Uh, the article goes on to say, of course, actions by the Biden administration to isolate Russia with sanctions in the wake of the Ukra Ukraine conflict only provide further impetus for the Russians to continue divesting in any way they can from the U.S. dollar. Combined with a volatile ruble and a wave of new American spending to feed its proxy wars in Ukraine and Israel, it only makes sense that Russia's gold coffers will continue to grow. You can also bet on China and Russia buying significantly more gold than what gets publicly reported. So the real numbers are always higher than they seem. As Jim Rickards has pointed out many times, such as the tweet from Q1 last year, countries like Russia and China hold gold acquired through off-the-books buying programs that far exceed what they officially claim. There's a, there's a little caveat to this, too. And I'm going to keep watching this, and we're going to have some... Uh, you need to really go follow the Wise Wolf Gold and Crypto Show. I've got two great uh, interviews coming up this month. You're not going to this is some of the best interviews that I I think we're going to have this year. We're kicking off the year strong. We're talking about central bank collusion. We're going to talk about uh, silver, but there's there's so much there to unpack. We've got uh, you talking about off the books buying. There was a report on Kitco about a month ago, and I I want to revisit this. I may even try to get the author onto the podcast. But there is a report that if you really reverse engineer China's gold buying over this this century, the, the 21st century, if you go and look at the, they bought so much off the books that it's estimated because they have they don't ex the China Chinese don't export gold. All right, they don't export it. They have 60,000 gold mines estimated. So they don't export. They only import. And they've bought off the books. Now, why as a country would you buy off the books? Unless you wanted to shift the global power away and you do it under stealth. It's estimated that the Chinese may, may indeed officially have twice the amount of gold holdings that the United States has, which the United States is out front right now uh, it has been since the 1950s with our 8,500 tons or so. Supposedly, that's what we have. But the Chinese, again, estimated, we can't prove this, may have indeed double that. So if you wanted to stealthily continue to acquire wealth and you let, um, you let the United States uh, Central Bank and its globalist goblin puppets uh, hoist themselves by their own petard.
which continue to sanction, continuing to weaponize the dollar and make ridiculously on purpose stupid decisions. Like how do you how do you do on purpose and stupid at the same time? Uh, look at the Biden administration. It's it's both. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Central Bank of Russia reported a gain of 30 metric tons in gold reserves. That's after a year of flattening, more likely due to non-reporting the non-acquisition. Yeah, non-reporting. Very key. You know, it's interesting. Countries will hide their gold. They will Their gold reserves and where they keep them are more secret than their nuclear weapons. It's a, it's amazing the amount of history that's happening here, folks. I, I can't, it's hard for me to even process like what we're watching and how quickly this is happening. For more central bank gold buying fuel, the Fed, the Fed, claiming victory against inflation is actually giving up on fighting it. The Fed knows it backed itself into a corner and has no choice but to lower rates in 2024, which means central banks will need a way to hedge against those easier mo- money policies. And while the Fed's balance sheet shrank in 2023, it didn't even come close to closing the gap it created by trillions during the COVID era. Of course, that wouldn't stop Jerome Powell from running his victory lap at 2023's final post-FOMC press conference about stopping rate hikes. It is true. They, They spiked the football. But it's funny, when they talked about, he, Powell called it his terminal rate. He said it's a terminal rate. And that, that's that's pretty apropos. I think uh, terminal sounds about right. And uh, right after he did that and said, well, you know, there was an announcement about QE, quantitative easing, um, more, you know, rate lowering into uh, the first quarter of 2024. They had another spokesperson come out. They, they do this a lot now. They'll put out one statement and then they have another representative put out a completely opposite statement. They're hedging their bets in real time against, oh, no, we didn't say that. Oh, we, we actually meant this. Talking about keeping rates high and fighting inflation. However, uh, lower rates in 2024 would bolster the case for even more inflation, not less, leading to a tanking dollar and surging relative prices for gold and other commodities. And this talks about Peter Schiff's tweet. He says, uh, it's only the second day of January, and the national debt has already blown past $34 trillion. I think 2024 will set a record for the largest one-year increase in the U.S. national debt in history. The only question is, will there be a sovereign debt or dollar crisis before the year ends? These are open questions. It takes now a trillion dollars a year to service the debt. I know Dick Cheney said the deficits don't matter, but they absolutely de- Math matters. I'm sorry. I know that a neocon Trotskyite fantasy for the uh, ruling elite. Uh, but no, there's always math doesn't care about your ideology or if you're uh, in with the central bank or not. It doesn't math doesn't care about ESG environmental social governance. And finally, 2024 brings even more uncertainty in the face of the U.S. continuing proxy conflicts and notably a U.S. presidential election that has 
reinforcing a global picture of domestic political instability with candidates on both sides like RFK Jr. and Vivek Ramaswamy embracing anti-establishment messages about reigning in central banks, the military-industrial complex, and the U.S. debt spiral. There are plenty of candidates shaking the nest in ways that would have been and seen as unheard of a couple of elections ago. Well, this is very much true and uh, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. There, there has to be some sort of release valve in our politics. Like our, our, our national candidates, and again, don't have a dog in the fight, but our national candidates, are they really talking about the, are this just a, a party versus party? Are they really talking about the existential threats to our civilization? Are you are you seeing them talk about that? When's the last major presidential candidate that has been speaking out absolutely unequivocally against central bank digital currency? And I'll let the Jeopardy music run. <laughs> there is none, you know. Uh, and I, I thought, just from a personal note, I thought in 2016 when I was broke and I was donating to Donald Trump every single week and writing articles for him and uh, supporting him, endorsing, I was, I was the first uh, congressional candidate of the uh, six that had ran in the race in 2014. I was the first one to, you know, I showed up in, in Dallas at the Trump rally. I've got... Uh, front row seats, and I got to see uh, my friend Katrina Pearson speak, and I was all in. I, I already did this. I already voted for a secure border. I already did this, and it's weird because I'm living in some sort of weird time loop where I'm doing it again, and everybody's running that side still running on that. So, not sure what to make of our national politics, but you can see they're really not even touching on the things that are. We're we're so far past 2016 now. You've had the COVID era, 80% of all the dollars ever created, created in the last 48 to 60 months since 1776 to now. So you do the math on that. You got a, a geopolitical dumpster fire of epic proportions. I know I mentioned that earlier, but that's the only way to describe it to me. It's, it's bizarre. And we're in a fourth turning. So I'm just, I'm just waiting for them to start talking about things that matter besides Hunter Biden's laptop, okay? Uh, all right, let's go to the Rockfin chat really quick. And I got some folks that have uh, commented on Twitter. I'll get to that. Twitter, it looks like we're streaming at, uh, at Tony Arterburn over on Twitter. Let me go to the Rock. Let's see if I have anybody in the Rockfin chat. Nobody in the Rockfin chat right now. Uh, I may have somebody there, uh, but I'll go back to it. It looks like uh, Tom Cooper's in the chat. <laughs> Tom, I, I think <laughs> are you, are you referring to uh, to Nikki Haley or uh, to, <laughs> to to Michelle Obama? Yeah, they haven't drafted Michelle Obama yet. Uh, Tom Cooper said she will win the war. LOL. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Jackson T. Barrett. When nobody gets two hundred and seventy in the electoral college count, the contingent election in the House picks uh, the POTUS. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's why I was saying, you know, when you can't get to 270, it's decided by the House of Representatives. Jackson Bear says Trump says no to CBDC. Well, the Jared Kushner was pushing it really hard, and uh, that's his advisor pushing. I've not heard that. I know that they, uh, the Trump administration, uh, they were working with 
the central bank on that. And then Biden put that into a uh, executive order. Harp says, I don't think it's streaming on Rockfin. Oh, well, that's too bad. Um, might have a technical glitch over there, but we'll come back to it. All right, folks. Uh, well, let's keep going. Uh, we got a little bit of time left here on the Art of Burn radio transmission. By the way, are you subscribed to the podcast? Did you follow Paratruther? Uh, go to uh, anywhere a podcast are found. Fo- follow the Art of Burn radio transmission. Follow Paratruther and follow the Wise Wolf Golden Crypto Show. I promise I won't have any more shows. <laughs> I, that's, but I, I do different things on different feeds, right? I don't. It's not all one universal feed. I try to do as much as I can on uh the art of burn radio so i give you as much interviews and all that and i'm i'm trying to keep up with more content uh so please do that all right let's uh let's see how much time do i have let's see if i can cover all this let's i'll do what i can let's let's jump in i want to show you some uh some comparison stories these are the fun little things that i do in our dystopia when i go over like hey this connects let's go over this together uh, this is on uh, on Twitter. So I pulled up, I pulled up the uh, Gold Telegraph Twitter handle. Again, I don't have any affiliation here, but it's a it's an interesting feed, and I, I find it to be informative. Uh, Russia says over thirty countries are interested in approaching BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. I have concluded until they officially join, many in the West will continue to laugh. That is okay until it's not. Well, I don't think that um, the West is laughing. As a matter of fact, I think this Russia saying over 30 countries are interested in approaching BRICS uh, is a in direct correlation to the, <laughs> the other story that I have here that was a link on Drudge. And let's go over this. This is uh, the, the, the things that I see <laughs> on a daily basis. NATO warns of an all-out war with Russia in the next 20 years. This is, this is the games that are played. You know, Russia puts out a prediction on a continuing, a growing a growth of the, the block at BRICS. And then you get NATO. This is from the Telegraph, again, over on uh, Drudge. NATO warns of an all-out war with Russia in the next 20 years. Civilians must prepare for an all-out war with Russia in the next 20 years, a top NATO military official has warned. While, while armed forces are primed for the outbreak of war, private citizens need to be ready for a conflict that would require wholesale change in their lives. This is from Admiral Rob Bauer. Large numbers of civilians will need to be mobilized in case of an outbreak of war, and governments should be put in place systems to manage the process, Admiral Bohr told reporters after a meeting of NATO defense chiefs in Brussels. We have to realize it's not a given that we are in peace. <laughs> you know, I have, I have a lot of questions here. I know the mainstream media, um, they got their fancy college degrees and they're 400000 in debt for whatever um, to to. They could have just saved the money and uh, got a library card, but they didn't read. Uh, I I don't know if there's any follow-up questions here. It doesn't look like it. Does anybody in the mainstream understand the history of what NATO is? Or what happened after the uh, fall of the Soviet Union? You know, the Soviet Union broke into 16 pieces on December 25th. 
1990, Mikhail Gorbachev gave up the ghost. And uh, the promise was from our Secretary of State, which at the time was James Baker under the uh, Bush administration, Bush 41, that we would not expand NATO. They had the Warsaw Pact, you know, uh, again, that was what the Soviet Union set up, the Soviet Empire after the end of World War II. That was to uh, push back against westward expansion and the United States hegemonic power. Uh, so they had the Warsaw Pact. So they dissolved the Warsaw Pact. And our promise, the promise that the our government gave to the Russian people is that we would not expand NATO. Since that time, we have expanded NATO in their face, taunting them, growing NATO, going right up into their border. That's where a warmonger extraordinaire, John McCain, wanted to... Uh, to bring uh, Ukraine into NATO. And thank God Almighty he didn't, because we probably would already have been in some sort of a nuclear war or limited nuclear war or a worldwide conflict. That's what all of this was about. You know, we want to have that money laundering station. We want to build those bio labs there in Ukraine. Uh, I know it's about freedom because Zelensky has everybody arrested that uh, is any kind of opposition. That's real free. That's democracy. That's worth dying for, right? And all that democracy over there at the mainstream. Uh, media tells me that I'm um, supposed to support. But that's what it's about, folks. Uh, NATO has been expanding and expanding and expanding. We broke our word. Um, you have to ask yourself, uh, you know, if this is Vladimir Putin, he's the, he's the new Hitler, right? He's the new, he's a warmonger. Uh, he can't stop himself from invading all of Europe. Well, and actually, that's what we did. We continue to expand NATO. Uh, old Soviet bloc countries brought further and further into the sphere of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which was an organization, by the way, that was founded as a means to carry out the policy of the Truman Doctrine of containment. You know, I know that I am speaking a language here that the mainstream media teleprompter reading hairdo automatons for Satan don't understand, but there is a guy named George Kennan. He wrote the long telegram in the Soviet Union. You know, while he was in working as at the uh, embassy to to craft a Cold War policy, that's what NATO was designed for. On December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety, NATO became obsolete. Why has it grown? Because it no longer is about. It, ne it no longer had become about uh, curtailing Soviet influence or protecting Europe. It is a wing of the financial elite in the military industrial complex and the empire that's it has nothing to do with its original mission so when you have nato chiefs coming out this is a very inflammatory statement by the way and if you know anything about russia and the history of russia and weaponry and how many nuclear submarines they have how many icbms intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, but then you juxtapose that to the fact that they have an economy that's about the same as the state of Texas. So why in the next 20 years would NATO need to go with, to war with Russia unless it was expansionist into Russian territory? And would that be to punish Russia for creating a separate system for finance? Because again, Russia is a giant gas station, natural gas, crude oil, uh, coal, gold, 
all sorts of natural resources. So what you're watching is not about the politics of 20 years ago or 30 years ago or foreign policy. We're way beyond that. That window is closing. And those are the, those are, I'll see if I can do this every week, find two stories that aren't supposed to be touching together because they're not near each other in the headlines, but they actually do correlate. All right, let's go. Last story. Well, I'm in Texas. Uh, There was a, I can't, I'll do two more stories. I was in, uh, I'm in Texas right now. Fun fact, uh, I don't have water at my house. I live in, I have a house that's built in the 1940s. And the pipes, it got to the coldest it'd been in Denison, Texas in 50 years. And I know that global warming is really hard on us right now. (laughs) And I don't think it has anything to do with global warming. It has a lot, probably a lot to do with the geoengineering that they're doing above our heads without permission. But I digress. My pipes are frozen. They've been frozen for days. I have to have uh, the plumbers come out. So I'm, you know, living like a lot like I do <laughs> off, off grid. Uh, but uh, it's good training to live on the homestead uh, in uh, in Northwest Arkansas. And of course, being in the army helps. This is I'm still kind of in the lap of luxury, even just having heat and electricity. Uh, but this was a story that popped up. And I think you're going to see more of this. This is part of the Great Reset, folks. And then we're going to jump into the last story. Uh, you know, part of the Great Reset and part of the uh, New World Order, if you want to call it, whatever the whatever nomenclature you have for uh, this uh, one world totalitarian socialist government they're trying to implement. Um, it's not my theory. It's what they say they want. Is it kind of humiliate you and uh, to keep you from having any solutions? And, you know, you're in Texas. So you would think, well, gosh, you know, this is an energy state. I mean, even Rick Perry, a former governor, he was the man who couldn't remember uh, the agencies of government uh, departments he would cut if he was president. Remember that? He had three of them. He got to two. And then he looked to Ron Paul because he'd forgotten. He couldn't remember. This is in 2012. I told you I follow this politics. I st- I, nothing leaves my mind because it's too. It's, I wish it would, but I remember uh, Rick Perry, and he couldn't remember that third agency. Well, that's the agency he went to work for when Trump became president. <laughs> so Rick Perry, he headed up the agency. He said he would completely dismantle if he was elected president, which is the Department of Energy. So you think Texas is? Oh, we're doing really great. Uh, no, uh, because the power grid is always suffering, which. You know, we have all this money. We have, why don't they build new infrastructure? Why aren't they doing that? Well, you're supposed to feel helpless. See, Greg Abbott wants to give 200 million to a shell corporation out in Frisco, Texas to do contact tracing. Remember that? Well, where's your new grid? This is uh, naturalnews.com. Texas facing another power grid collapse and intense weather, weather spell. Another uh, bout of freezing, frigid weather hit Texas and other states throughout the South and Midwest this week. The grid managers at the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, face a repeat of 2021 when winter storm URI left millions of residents without power, many of them for more than three days straight and killed more than 300 people. ERCOT has issued a conservation request to businesses and private customers this week, asking them to keep things low or off. 
So here's another example of where money, and I'll uh, let you guys go read the rest of the article. This is the 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 gist of it, right? We've they don't build new infrastructure. Wouldn't more power and more resource uh, be part of a growing an economy? And wouldn't that be a byproduct of a growing economy? Oh no 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 no! It's it's all off the table because so much of it is controlled by the federal government, by the Department of Energy, and by the green policies, which is actually a watermelon policy. It's a watermelon, right? It's green on the outside, communist red, Marxist on the inside. That's what this, any kind of green policy is a watermelon. It's all about you not going. There's a reason they're not building the grid. The reason they're not building the grid is because they're pushing EVs. When they push EVs, it means you can't charge your car. You can't charge your car. You can't leave. That is the point. They're not building for the future because they don't want one. And this is part of it. Just trying to stagnate. Just trying to run out the clock. And you get, this is why I'm so, and I get so animated with these Republican lawmakers that I'm told are my heroes and I got to keep Texas red. I don't want to keep Texas communist red. Can I not keep Texas communist red? Because you're making it that way, Greg Abbott. Well, maybe they. Maybe I'm starting to, I think, I, maybe this is a new thing. I just thought of this, Yekka. Maybe that's what they want me to keep red. Is that, maybe that is the logic. That's why it's been buried in my subconscious. I got to keep Texas red for, okay, I got it. I see. I see what the issue is now. <laughs> They're keeping it red. All right, let's. That's the, the power grid. The uh, uh, Thomas Massey uh, having that uh, cross examination, you know, of, of uh, Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pothole Pete, about the energy grid. He says, you know, it takes uh, when you add an EV to a home, it's like adding twenty-five new refrigerators but you haven't worked on the grid and the current grid can't support our power system. So how do you introduce electric cars if you can't support the grid? Pete, Pothole Pete, uh, CIA construct, a completely made up person, in my opinion, uh, didn't have an answer because there is no answer. The the non-answer is the answer. They're not building the grid because you're not supposed to go anywhere. And that's what this is all about. So keep Texas red. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. This is the last story there. Maybe this will be, I don't know if this will be more fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause like I, it's been, it's not been a fun show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having fun, Tony. It feels like I'm inside of a, a pessimistic uh, echo chamber. I'm, I'm trying really hard. I just, I'm trying to be positive. Um, let's do last, last story of the day. Again, thanks everybody for, for joining me on these transmissions. I'm going to do more, uh, coming up in the, in the year. I've got some new scheduling to release, but we're here live on freeworld.fm, uh, every Friday, 11 a.m. Central time. Uh, be sure and support, uh, the sponsors of this program. If you can, I built something that is the opposite of uh, any kind of program that I've seen with major gold and silver brokers over the United States. 
Uh, you know, most of those guys are w wanting to, you to call if you got 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000. We love that too, but I, I built something called Wolfpack for uh, the rest of us. Uh, for those who are just keeping the lights on, working hard, and uh, want to replace some of those fake fiat Luciferian bankster notes with actual money like gold and silver, and we're on a budget. And uh, that's why Wolfpack.gold exists. So please go to Wolfpack.gold, check out the programs and the memberships so much that uh, is coming out in wolfpack uh, you can order just once you can sign up for monthly memberships um we got the wolfpack for kids called wolf cub that's only 35 dollars a month that's what i'm talking about i went the inverse i went the other way around there's not a lot of gold dealers looking for 50 dollars, 125 dollars transactions i want them so i built something completely different so go check out wolfpack.gold or anything Wise Wolf Gold and Silver uh, has. And uh, whether you're buying or selling, we take good care of you. All right, let's 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 jump into this story. And I got a little bit of analysis on this. I can't read the whole article, but uh, you'll get the gist of it. Into the World Bunker. It's listed on Zillow. 10,000 square feet, blast doors, and EMP shielding. Elites have spent the last decade building or and or purchasing underground doomsday bunkers, whether it's to survive the next global, global conflict, uh, civil war in America, a tyrannical government that locks down the economy because of a virus, out-of-control BLM riots, or possibly a solar storm that zaps the nation's power and communications grid. Bunker demand has been smoking hot. Ex-account Zillow Gone Wild posted Thursday about a 10,000-square-foot bunker hidden in Polo, Missouri, that was recently listed. In an era where even technology titans are grabbing headlines for their investments in personal safety, such as the end of the world bunker, this property emerges as a true testament to visionary planning. The bunker offers 10,000 square feet of modernized underground space and is located just 35 miles away from Kansas City. It has 2.5 foot thick concrete walls EMP-resistant copper shielding, and two 3,000-pound blast doors. The bunker's price is $2 million, and that's affordable compared with other bunkers listed at tens of millions of dollars. And in the world of bunker-building news, corporate media recently shined a spotlight on Facebook CEO uh, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, the uh, bunker he's building in Hawaii. Almost as this article says, almost as if he knows something. <laughs> well, it kind of harkens back to the end of 2019. I would talk about this all the time. I know everybody forgot, but the end of 2019, last quarter, largest exodus of CEOs in history. What did they know? And and I don't know, Tony. Does you know the, the formation of the Central Intelligence Agency and other intelligence agencies always is connected to high finance. High finance and intelligence go together like a hand in a glove, like peanut butter and jelly. Okay? That's what they do. That's intelligence. It's the second most important commodity in the world is intelligence. The other is time. But they are certainly sending us a message. And I would say, as I close out the show, I will not be buying a bunker. I will not do that. And I will tell you something. Uh, any tactician, any strategist, one of my favorite quotes is General Douglas MacArthur. He said, there is no safety on this earth. There's only opportunity. 
the bunker mentality. It's one of the reasons uh, Sam Houston told Jim Bowie to turn the cannon on the Alamo. He said, take the cannon, turn it on the, the fort, and blow it up and move. Stay mobile, stay moving. Fortresses, bunkers are Hitler's bunker. How did that work out? Give me a bunker that worked out. Besides a movie like Terminator 3 where they survived the blast in the bunker, there's not many good scenarios with bunkers and or fortresses. And that's why it's important to keep your thinking out of the bunker. A bunker mentality. And that's even, you know, as I, as I close out the show, that is one of the things I've seen businesses from the inside when they start to decline. They have a bunker mentality under siege. Offense and strategy are king. The bunker is unimaginative. And I guess for people that are causing the thing, they're causing the situation outside to, to require a bunker, but something to think about. And I could be wrong. All right, folks, appreciate all of you. Thank you for joining the transmission. Uh, peoplesprotectionplan.com as well. Peoplesprotectionplan.com, Legal Shield. Protect yourself from those 87,000 IRS agents that are coming out. Uh, you know, all the government intrusion into your finances. They have audit protection from the IRS. They've got uh, lawsuit protection. Uh, you can talk to an attorney unlimited. It's a dollar a day. It's a dollar. I've been with them 20 years. Peoplesprotectionplan.com. Go check that out. It's a great sponsor of the program. Uh, it helps you. I'm going to start talking more about this in the coming year. It is essential that we just spend a little bit of money and protect yourself. Peoplesprotectionplan.com. All right, from Beans the Brave uh, and Yucca here in, uh, in the great state of Texas, you guys take care of each other. End of transmission. <laughs>